Oh my goodness! It's episode, I think it's episode 24. It's episode Ken Griffey Jr. Episode 24, here we are. A shitload to talk about. I don't even know where to begin. We're going to be all over the map today. I promise. I think so. Here we go. One of the things I want to discuss... What is the right direction for the United States of America? What is the proper course we should take? Do you know that as a conservative? Do you know that as a liberal? From a technology standpoint, do we know which is the right direction for the country? Not just today or tomorrow, but in 20 years, in 40 years, in 60 years. I preach to you guys about 50-year increments. Think about the world or the country in 50-year increments and how much it changes. What is the right direction for the country? How do we enhance America? How do we make the country better for the long term? Whether it be capitalism versus socialism, our capitalistic system with a socialist blend, what is the right decision? Do you know? I don't think I have a fucking clue. Me pretty interesting of me to say, I know the right direction for this country the next 50 years. And so I guess my point here is that nobody really knows what is best for America. We all have our ideas, but is anybody smart enough to truly know? You could listen to Noam Chomsky and he could tell you the proper direction for America. You wouldn't agree with him. A lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would. Nancy Pelosi could tell you, here's the right direction for America. George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump. It doesn't matter. Think about this left, right, independent. What is the proper direction the United States of America should take? And I think the answer is, who the hell knows? This is an experiment. America, the big idea. And so we are constantly trying to enhance this country. We've got all sorts of different opinions. One side thinks the other has no idea on the direction of America and they're ruining rather than enhancing the United States of America. And the other side thinks the same thing. And and we've talked about the freaking nihilists. They don't think anything or they think things and they just sit out on the sideline. How do we enhance this country over the course of the next 50 years? How do we make it better? What does that even look like? Think about that. Do we really even know? And and I I would argue, you know, no, we don't. People will say, well, I know what we shouldn't do. No, you don't. You don't know what we should do. You don't know what we shouldn't do. And that goes for me, that goes for you, that goes for everybody. This is a big experiment, and and, and I think it's an interesting question to think about. How do we improve America? And I think the simple answer is no one really knows. So if you agree with me on that, then all of these decisions by politicians and what's going on in the world socially and the country socially and economically... What do we do with Social Security for the next 50 years, 100 years? We preserve it, right? Maybe. Yes. Does anybody really have the answers? And I think the answer is no. Goodness gracious. Okay. 
So let's touch on Israel, Israel and Palestine. Told you, I've got a Jewish wife, so I'm part of the tribe. That doesn't mean I have to agree with the tribe all the time. My son, my middle son, Spencer, had asked, he was asking me questions about the conflict and how it gets resolved. And I, I kind of chuckled and I said, Middle East peace, it's an oxymoron. It's just, it's, think about the world in 50-year increments. When will Middle East peace exist? And we've seen some peace. It seems like between the Israelis and the Palestinians, things have quieted down over the last 15 years. I told you, I remember growing up in the 90s, and it seemed like there was a, a suicide bomber in the West Bank or in Gaza all the time. And Israel's always responding. But Middle East peace, it just, it just almost seems laughable. And you, when, you, when you look at Israel and Palestine, they both lay claim, and I think rightfully so, to Gaza or the West Bank. Neither side is going to give. One side has all the financial backing, the military backing of the United States of America, and the other side has, you know, this black market funding from all of these, you know, Egypt and Saudi Arabia and, and, and different Iran. I don't know if Iraq funds anybody. It's kind of a, a free agent state now. But uh, they have the backing, you know, all, of all these Arab countries because, let's face it, nobody likes the Jews. It is unbelievable how hated they are. And so I'm, I'm just picking up not the newspaper, I'm picking up my phone or I'm getting on my laptop and I'm just reading about this conflict and I'm reading about all of these innocent people, all of these innocent Israelis, all of these innocent um, Palestinians that are dying and that are going to die because of this conflict. Benjamin Netanyahu had to have been super embarrassed not having any sort of inkling that Hamas was going to attack. Now, what is he going to do? People are calling for his head in Israel. He's a hawk. He's a military hawk. What is he going to do? It has, has he had it? Is he going to literally lay claim to Gaza, the Gaza Strip? It, no more. We are going to eradicate the Palestinians from Gaza. Does that lead to peace? Fuck no, it doesn't. It probably leads to a lifelong war, which we're already in. I'm not siding with either side. I'm not saying we should not fund Israel. And I'm also saying, I don't know enough. I encourage you guys. I've seen, you know, and I've read about this, you know, the whole genesis of the conflict. You can find some historian that give it to you much better than me, but I encourage you to read about it, read what's going on, and you're going to come to the conclusion there is no answer. There, there is no American president. There, there are no American politicians that have some sort of answer. They don't have answers in, in Palestine. They don't have answers in Israel. Middle East peace. Boy, that would be nice. Boy, that would be nice for those two to be able to coexist. Think about Republicans and Democrats hating each other. Oh, it's so bad in this country. We don't kill each other for the most part. We, we don't do this kind of shit. And so 
that's why it's important to, to preserve our democracy, make sure things are, are, are on the up and up, because Israel and Palestine, this is a whole different level of hate than, than what we have in our country, a whole different level of hate. And frankly, like I've pointed out, around the world, it's just mind-boggling to me how so many different people hate Jewish people. I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Hell, I had a buddy that hung out a lot over in Israel. He said the Israeli women, the Jewish women, are the most beautiful women on earth. I'm married to one of them. I'm married to one of them. There is no answer, and, and, and the hard part is thousands more are going to die. And what is this leading to? What is this leading to? I know we saw the former president of the United States, Donnie Trump, our boy Donnie, he called Hezbollah, quote, very smart, very smart Hezbollah. And for those of you who don't know, Hezbollah is the terrorist wing of Iran. They are funders of Hamas, the terrorist wing of the Palestinians. Okay. That doesn't mean all Palestinians are terrorists. They aren't. They can't be. Not everyone is like Hamas, but how do they eradicate Hamas from the Palestinian Liberation Organization? If they try to do that, are they in a civil war themselves? And all of a sudden, Hamas isn't just attacking Jews. They're attacking Palestinian government officials who they disagree with. You, know, you, think, you, think, you think Israel has a right to exist? Go fuck yourself, says Hamas. We'll smack you down. And so I know, hey, Biden released $6 billion to get some hostages back. And, and I don't know how you can agree with that. It just, it just seems crazy to give Iran money. But I want the president and, and, and people ripped on Biden for that. Oh, my God. And then, then we know Trump gave intelligence to the Russians who surely gave... In Israeli intelligence, military intelligence information to the Russians who are buddies with the Syrians and the Iranians probably didn't sit well with them. So, which, oh my God, that made them fund. That made them fund this awful operation. I'm not saying Biden, this, this attack happened because Biden released $6 billion, And I'm not saying this attack happened because Trump gave sensitive intel on the Israelis to the Russians. Who knows? And I'm not, but, but here's what I want, to, I want to know from Donald Trump. He calls Hezbollah very smart. Explain to me why they're very smart. Tell me. They're funding Hamas and Hamas pulled off this awful attack. I, I would just like to sit in front of Donald Trump and say, explain to me, here, here, eloquently tell me why Hezbollah is very smart a terrorist organization in Iran. Why are they so smart, Donald Trump? Donald Trump also said, when, when Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, Vladimir is, quote, a, a, a genius. He's a genius. He called Vladimir Putin a genius. Does anybody think Vladimir Putin's a genius? I don't think Vladimir Putin thinks himself as a genius right now for invading Ukraine. He looks, he essentially invaded Texas. It's the United States of America invading Texas. Texas is saying, hell no, we won't go. That's Ukraine. The Russians are bogged down in an endless war. 
They're either going to lose or fucking use nuclear weapons to fix it. Who the hell knows? But again, Donald Trump, why is Putin a genius? Please sit down and explain to me. You told me the attacks would never happen under my watch because he has this magic fucking global wand. Bullshit. If you if you believe that these attacks in in Gaza wouldn't have happened if Trump was a president, explain to me how. Was he going to stand up and stare him down? Putin wasn't going to invade Ukraine because Trump was president. Give me a fucking break. Come on now. Absolutely ridiculous. So, I, I, I'm just, I'm just curious. If we could sit down with Donald Trump, the genius, very smart. Why was Hezbollah very smart? Why is Putin a genius? We get such, even from the Republican Party, the Republican Senate, Republican House, they're pro-Israel. The Republican Senate is pro-Ukraine, uh, wanting to fund Ukraine. It's the House that doesn't necessarily want to fund Ukraine. There's you know, been some, some waffling. But we heard Lindsey Graham come out and praise Joe Biden and rip, rip Donald Trump. But yet, Joe Biden is so awful for the country if you'd ask Lindsey Graham. Hmm. We're not that different. Sometimes, hey, look at Lindsey Graham. He's a hardcore Republican, a Republican his whole life. He can agree with the Democrat and it's okay. He can disagree with the king. And it's okay. King's going to come back at you. But it, it, it's just a, a president who's been indicted four times, who's been impeached twice, who has like 19 different rape charges or allegations against him, who's literally can't do business in New York because of, uh, uh, of the severity of his fraud. This is the guy that is the GOP frontrunner. And, and I'm not, hey, we're going to you know, kind of transitioning into the GOP field. Fucking what the fuck is there to talk about? Every one of these GOP field members, you guys are all running for second place. This guy that's been indicted four times, impeached twice, he's the leader. He's the leader and he is never letting go of this party. It means too much money to him. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. Not even sure what to say. Anyways, yeah. GOP race. There isn't much of a race. Everyone literally is running for second place. Trump is the nominee. I saw Biden. Fuck, man. He 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 raised like 70. He raised a ridiculous amount of money. What do you think he's going to do with that money? I think I know. He's going to run for president, damn it. Shit. We're going to get this this awful rematch and it you know, you you've heard me just go on and on and on about it. And and we're going to continue to go on and on and on about it. But uh anyways, let's get a little happier. See me I'm wearing my my husky jacket, baby. Boy, college football. They say we we throw a word around the word or the phrase instant classic. ES bets an instant classic. Well, we got Oregon versus Washington, number eight versus number seven. And it was an instant classic. 
The Huskies outlasted the Ducks 36-33. And I had a bunch of buddies over at my house. They were, I think some of my friends really wanted to come over and hang out with me. It had been the first time they've gotten to hang out with me since my sister Angela Jane Scapini passed. Um, but uh, it was it was an amazing time with friends, and it was the you got to understand something as, as a Denver Bronco fan. We won the Super Bowl in 2016. So from a pro football perspective, this is the last this is the last Bronco game, 2016. That was high stakes, big time. A game that made you think during the week. A game that made you nervous during the week. A game that made you nervous up until kickoff, pacing back and forth. This, I haven't, I haven't lived that. No Bronco fan has had that since 2016. It just has not existed. Now, my Washington Huskies, on the other hand, we were in the college football playoff in 2017. We played Alabama. And, you know, therefore, that was a big game. That was a game you thought about for, you, you know, you know when the committee comes out with their Final Four and Washington makes it. That's, that's a big-ass game. And Washington's played some other big games. You know, none outside of the college football playoff as big as, big as this one felt. And this one also had two Heisman Trophy candidates that were kind of A and B, or it's kind of B and C behind... Caleb Williams, and Bo Nix for Oregon, and Michael Penix Jr. And and I, my, Bo Nix did nothing to hurt his chances at the Heisman. Michael Penix has moved to the front runner. You know, you know as the front runner, he he man, he can throw the football. He can really throw the football. He 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 did not really elude any pressure, make any plays on his feet. He and he doesn't normally make plays on his feet. For those of you who haven't watched Michael Penix Jr. He usually runs to pass, he, he to buy time, and and he didn't really even do that. He was a pure pocket passer. The game was just back and forth. Washington had stopped Oregon on fourth down from the six yard line with three minutes to go in the third quarter. We led by eleven, had the football, and I'm thinking we're gonna take this ball down and end this football game. Oh no! Oh no! That's not what happened. <clears throat> we got stopped on two consecutive drives. Oregon scored two touchdowns. We then got stopped on the uh, on, on the goal line, on the inch line. Oregon wasn't the only ones who got stopped on fourth down. And I keep hearing, oh, you know, Dan Lanning, Dan Lanning, he he just went for it too much. Well, hey, keep in mind, he, he the, the the Ducks' first touchdown, he went for two, and they got it. So Keep in mind, Dan Lanning's walking off the field at halftime when he doesn't take the field goal and he goes for fourth down. And he's got that psychotic look in his eye. And they're asking him, you know, why didn't you take the points? And he said, we are an aggressive football team. We call an aggressive game, baby. Looked in the camera's eyes. Yeah. And then in the post game, this game's 100% on me. Okay. We'll see if you learn or are the... Oregon Ducks, an aggressive team with an aggressive coach that will continue to be aggressive. Um, they went for it well, on like the 45-yard line, 47-yard line there uh, of Washington on fourth and two, fourth and three to try to ice the game. You aren't kicking it back to Michael Penix with two and a half minutes, two minutes to go. No way. No way. You're, you're going you're gonna to go pick up two or three yards to end the football game. It just didn't work out. And 
The Ducks are our hated rival, even more so than the Washington State Cougars, to give fans across the country an idea. Oregon-Washington, we absolutely hate each other, and we're intermingled. We're intermingled. we got Duck fans all over here. Probably don't have many Washington fans in Eugene, but Portland maybe, but, but Portland for sure. But uh, this is a hated, hated rivalry. And the last seven years has been great. We've had nothing but great football. It was like 12 years in a row where Oregon beat the living shit out of my Huskies. If we lost by 20, it was like a moral victory. I'm not even kidding. And then before that, Washington dominated the series. And so this is the best the Oregon-Washington rivalry has ever been, without a doubt, bar none. One other thing happened in college football. Well, lots of things happened, but Michael Penix jumps to Washington's never had a Heisman Trophy winner. I think Steve Entman might be the, the defensive lineman in 1990. Might be the highest. You know, he could finish third or some shit like that. Maybe he finished second, but he but he was never going to win it. He was never going to win it. Penix is now vaulted to the top of the Heisman uh, race, and in part because of his 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 awesome performance on Saturday afternoon at Husky Stadium in Montlake, but the other part, USC and USC played uh, Notre, at Notre Dame, and Caleb Williams threw three interceptions. USC got their doors blown off. And so it was like a perfect storm for Husky fans. We get this super emotional win, and then we get to sit back and watch USC and Notre Dame play and watch the Heisman favorite, Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman winner, shit all over himself. So super duper duper. What are we going to talk about next? You know what I want to talk about? Let's do a little Seahawk Bronco talk for a second. I know the Seahawks lost to the Cincinnati Bengals this past week, but I just have to tell you how impressed I am at Pete Carroll. He's 72 years old, and if you looked at him, you would think he's 46. The guy's got more energy than I do or anybody I know my age does. He's ridiculous. And the thing I like about Pete is, I'll give you an example. The first game of the season, they got they got smacked around by the Rams. They looked awful. They couldn't get after the quarterback. They had zero sacks. Since that game, they, they won three in a row. Of course they did. They went into Detroit. No one's beaten Detroit, including Kansas City, except for Seattle. And they did it in Detroit. Pete Carroll football teams, whether it was the Jets, the Patriots, when he uh, uh, pro coach long ago, the USC Trojans, or the Seattle Seahawks, they get better. I wish I could say that about my Bronco coaches. We, hey, the Denver Broncos, don't worry, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Fuck no, we're not going to fix it. We're just going to get worse. We're going to get worse. Pete Carroll football teams get better. They improve. They it, it, just sit back and watch this guy do his thing has been I don't root for him I hate the Seahawks but this dude knows how to coach he's a surefire Hall of Famer so good on Pete Carroll and, and, and I want to bring this up because I'm going to transition to my Broncos but I thought I thought Jody Allen Paul Allen's sister, now the you know the de facto owner of the Seattle Seahawks. 
he made the total wrong decision. And I have Seahawk fans. We, I, you know, my, my Husky buddies who are Hawk fans, we were talking about this this weekend. A lot of us thought the Seahawks made the wrong decision. Russell Wilson, your franchise quarterback? I I was on record many times of saying they need to get rid of Pete and they need to get rid of Carol. Excuse me, uh, John Schneider, the GM. You can get another GM. And he hasn't dra- he hadn't drafted well in years and years and years, and that was well documented with Seahawks fans. Not just this dipshit, Nick. You don't keep your coach. You don't keep your GM. You keep your franchise quarterback. Those guys don't come along. I thought Jody Allen made a mistake. I thought she should have told the Seahawks. She told Russell Wilson, this is your football team. She didn't go that direction. She chose Pete Carroll. She chose GM John Snyder. And she was 110% right. Russell is absolutely fucking done. He, he, and I, he can't throw from the pocket. Any Russell Wilson football team is going to have offensive line issues because the dude will not let it rip in the pocket. Uh, one out of every 10 times, he'll let it rip in the pocket. He just does not feel comfortable doing that. He probably can't see. He's not going to be Drew Brees. So I'm only a couple of games away from probably from burning my Russell Wilson jersey. We're really damn close. And I know his numbers aren't awful. Oh, look at his numbers. Russ is okay. Even though they put up eight points at Kansas City this past Thursday night. But I'm real close to burning it. You know what Russell is? Russell is a, he's arguably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. That's what Russell Wilson is these days. Doesn't mean I don't think he might be, and this may be a topic for another time, doesn't mean I don't think he might be a Hall of Famer. Or I I don't think it's fair to play 10 really great years and then have a couple of just awful years when you're you're, you're past it and say, oh, no, he never was a Hall of Famer because he he was shitty in Denver. He was really good in Seattle. At times, I I, I used to call him the best scrambler I'd ever seen. So... Russell Wilson is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Take that, bitches. Pete Carroll, stand up. Got 72 going on 42. What are you on, Pete? We talked about Tom Brady taking, you know, I don't know, like a limitless pill, or he got blessed by, uh, um, was it, gosh, what was the, it's a wonderful life. Whatever, whatever, Nick, whatever. Pete Carroll's on something, and I want it. I want it. Can we bottle it and sell it to, to the rest of the country? My goodness. Maybe Pete Carroll could fix Israel and, and, and Palestine. Get his ass over there, chewing his gum, being positive. Maybe we should bring in Pete Carroll over there. Maybe he could remake Middle East peace. <sighs> okay, let's see. Guess what? So we had our uh, football game on Thursday night, this past Thursday night, and we played Interlake, and we smacked Interlake 40-6 to and scored on our first three offensive plays and was ahead 27 to nothing before the end of the first quarter. And we, and, and we were classy. We took our foot off the pedal. We got to play so many different kids, and it's, it's exciting for kids to get their first you know, varsity time 
although a lot of them caught it in the first week against uh, Bainbridge, and we won't talk about that. But uh, it, so so that was a lot of fun. But uh, so I had twenty offense and defensive linemen over at my house on Friday night. Myself, Coach Hartline, Coach Lawler, we cooked, we smoked, we BBQ'd, we Thanksgiving it up for 26, 15, 16, 17-year-olds. And it was awesome. It was awesome. We had lineman dinner. Wasn't my idea. We just hosted at my house. It was uh, Coach Hartline. Coach Hartline is actually, you know, Coach Hartline actually coached Coach Lawler previously at another school. And so they had done lineman dinners and they were talking about it. What a great idea. And so I made six racks of giant beef ribs. We had Beecher's mac and cheese. We had mashed potatoes. Coach Lawler made fried chicken. He made burnt ends. He made pork ribs. Hell, he made cornbread. Coach Hartline made tri-tip. We had all sorts of sides, desserts. Do you think these 20 boys were able to polish off all that food? Oh, yes, they were. Oh, yes, they were. We, uh, on the NSF, NFHS network, which you can watch any high school game, you know, basketball, baseball, football. I, I highly encourage you to take a look at it if you love high school sports. We were able. We watched uh, Mercer Island versus Liberty. We play Liberty this Friday night, coming Friday night, and it's a border war game for us. It's uh, kind of a rivalry game. Again, Liberty has smacked us for several years in a row. Maybe we can turn the tide. Hopefully, we can. But as a team, we ate really great food, and we sat down and watched. Liberty versus Mercer Island. Just a special time. I didn't get to point out the previous game when my sister had passed and how good the football team and the coaching staff was to me when I was going through that time and how therapeutic it was to be on the practice field, to be on that football field, playing a game even though my sister had passed and, and I was going through some stuff, my family was going through some stuff. So, and, and then this team dinner, it, it, it just, it, it continues to repay me coaching football, the time that I've given it, it. It has just been so special and team dinner on Friday, Lyman dinner on Friday night was another example of just, what a, what a great decision Nick the American made by – and I was on the fence. I was on the fence about coaching. I've been on – you know, but it's always been a dream of mine. So I'm so happy I did it. I know so many more boys because of it. I have relationships with these boys. I will never forget my first varsity team. I hope, in, in, in you know, they don't forget me as well. But uh, I just love them. I, I love connecting with kids. I love doing this. We're three and four, baby, trying to get to 500. I'll keep you updated. I will keep you updated. So let's see. What's on my list to talk about? What? what, what you know, I, you know and I, I, God, I don't want to do too much Trump talk. But I was just thinking. 
you know, he, he, he everybody's running for second place, and Trump is never going to give up the Republican Party power over the Republican Party power over the GOP because it means money to him. It means money. It means fame. It means power, and so he's not going to give it up. How could we get Trump to stop running for president? Because, like I said, it, it, if he loses, make no mistake. Don't kid yourself. This dipshit will run in 2028. Okay, but how could we get? How could we ease? If I'm a Republican, how could we ease him out of the role? Maybe Fox News could get together with Trump, and instead of doing The Apprentice, they could tell him, "You're in charge of the new Fox hit show, reality show called The Nominee." Donald Trump, you decide who the Republican nominee for president is. You have them do bake sales, cook-offs, PR campaigns, all different sort of stuff. And, you know, you slowly but surely, Asia Hutchinson, you're fired. You're fired. Nikki Haley, very slow. You're fired. And he could eventually, he gets to pick the nominee. He'd probably at the end fire everybody and pick himself. But... Can we? Yeah. How about the nominee instead of the apprentice? The nominee and, and and Trump. You can't be the nominee, but you get to pick the nominee. Now, of course, I'm fucking kidding. But Trump, this is probably the only way you get him out of it, outside of dying. And again, I am not promoting Donald Trump dying. I want him to live till he's 104. You know, God rest his soul, the wonderful man that he is. But if he does live till he's 104. Oh, boy, Republican Party. You're his hostage. You know this. You know this. That means he's going to be around a long time in Republican politics. And really, like every other president before him, every other person who's run for president that's nabbed the nomination of a party, they've all understood that their time comes and it goes. And they let go. They let go. Donald Trump, it's he's not capable of letting go. He's not capable. All right. Well, we had we had some um God, we had some social media superstars fighting this weekend. And I wanted to highlight, I wanted to talk a little bit about this. We had, uh, uh, Jake Paul was not fighting. He was not fighting this weekend. His brother Logan Paul was. And I just want to say that I have a shitload of respect for both Paul brothers. Um, as I do this KSI guy, I guess. I know, I know much less about KSI than I do uh, Jake and Logan Paul. So I'm going to leave KSI out of this for a second. Uh, one of the reasons why I like Jake Paul, he knows boxing. I'm not so sure. I haven't heard Logan. I, I think I think Logan does too. I know he's doing some WWE. But when you listen to Jake Paul talk, you can tell he's a cult fan of the sport. He follows the sport closely. And I'm a very simple man. Nick the American is a simple man. If you follow boxing closely, guess what? You're welcome over my home. You are a friend of mine. Okay? So Jake Paul's a friend of mine. Not really, but he is. I can I I know he is into boxing. Uh, 
And him and his brother have put in so much work, so much work into the sweet science. I, I have a ton of respect for that. These guys aren't just social media stars that are just, this isn't a tough man competition. They just jump into the ring. And I mean, to, to, to get where Jake Paul's gotten, to knock out you former UFC champions. He, hey, he fought Tommy Fury, who's a half brother of Tyson Fury, who's a, you know, Tommy Fury's a shitty cruiserweight right now, trying to, try, trying to come up. He dropped Tommy Fury, even though he lost the decision. So I've got a lot of respect for these guys, but. I watched when I, I I got I have gotten several of the Jake Paul fights. I got Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury, and I watched the fight. Tommy Fury looked fucking disgustingly awful for a so-called professional who has his sights set on some sort of world championship in boxing. Sorry, Tommy, your dog shit. And, and Jake Paul didn't look good either. And, and and I said to myself, I'm watching this fight, and I'm saying, okay, okay. The storylines have all run run its course. I, I am done paying for stuff like this. I, I, I'm done. I'm never going to pay for Tommy Fury again. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so Tommy Fury fought KSI. I, you know, he's a British social media superstar. And it sounds – I did not get the fight. I read uh, a, a former boxer, Carl Froch from England, talk about the fight, saying it was the one of the worst. It's the worst fight he's ever seen. It was embarrassing. Tommy Fury's awful. And 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 and, and, and I give credit to Tommy Fury on one account. Hey, good for you. You've made a few million bucks. You're making a few million bucks fighting the you know, Jake Paul and KSI. Good for you because you sure as hell ain't gonna make it in the pro game. You are not making it as a professional boxer in the cruiserweight division, even though the cruiserweight division is usually one of the worst in terms of depth in the sport of boxing. Cruiserweight division is 200 pounds, by the way. But I am completely done buying this bullshit. Okay. Now, and, and, and hey, Logan, I got Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. I was impressed, Logan Paul. I was impressed. I thought you fought Floyd well. I know you're a lot bigger than him. He's getting old. You fought him so well. He smelled your power come by his face. You fought him so well. He said, no, we're not doing this again. We're not going to do this again. I'm eventually going to get caught by one of these big boys, these 200-pound kids, these athletic young kids. So, yeah, hats off to you, Logan Paul. And and, and I guess here, I'll, I'll segue into this. We've got... Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champ of the world, one of two heavyweight champions of the world. Alexander Usyk is the other. So we have Tyson Fury versus former UFC heavyweight champion Francis Naganu. Now, I'm not going to buy this fight. I want to buy Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. I want to buy Francis Naganu versus John Jones. Okay? I don't want to buy these crossover fights. But at least this is one stud in boxing versus one stud in the UFC. Champions or former champions. This isn't KSI versus fucking Tommy Fury. Okay. Tommy Fury. Hey, let's see. Step up. Let's start fighting fighters. Let's go, buddy. Let's go. Man, I'll tell you what. Tommy Fury looks so bad against Jake Paul. 
He looks so bad. I, I don't even know how he looked against KSI. I'm just telling you, he's a piece of shit. Maybe not as a man, Tommy. I don't mean to call you a piece of shit as a man, just as a fighter. So, okay. Got more sports. Major League Baseball playoffs. Is Seattle Mariners in it? Hell no, we're not in it. God, we're like 15 games to play. We took a two-game lead. I talked about it on the show, and then we shit all over ourselves. Texas and Houston are right now in the American League Championship Series, the ALCS. And it is 2-0. As I speak to you this morning, it's 2-0. Texas won yesterday 5-4. As a Mariner fan, I'm jealous of Texas. Because what Texas did this year is what the Mariners were supposed to do. They were just supposed to go out and get, 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 get guys. We got Colton Wong. It's not about the Mariners, Nick. It's about the Rangers and the Astros. I, I guess I'm rooting for the Rangers. The Astros have been to seven straight ALCSs. Think about that. That is impressive. That is doggone impressive. So enough of the Astros. Piss on the Astros, cheaters. So then the other the other side, we, we saw the Dodgers and the Braves. The favorites to play in the NLCS, the fa- both of them were try one and two to win the World Series. These are your two favorites. Both get dumped. The Dodgers got smacked by Arizona, the Diamondbacks, and uh, uh, the Braves got smacked by the Philadelphia Phillies. And is Kyle Schwarber something else or what? This dude just got power. All he does is hit fucking home runs. Man. Especially in big games. So, uh, I I believe, I don't even know what, I think the Phillies are up 1-0. The the Phillies are up 1-0 in that series. I think uh, game two is tonight. So, I think I'm probably pulling for the National League. And I'm an American League guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm pulling for the Rangers. But they're in my division. Both the Astros and the, the the Rangers are in the division, but we'll keep you posted on the MLB playoffs. Hopefully the Astros don't win, but um, we'll see how it goes. There's your Major League Baseball Tim Kirch and nerdy update, which I will never give you. I'll never give you, but um, okay. A couple things and we'll get the hell out of here. We saw, hey, Jimmy Jordan supposed to vote. This is Tuesday right now. I thought, and maybe it's maybe it's happening as I speak. I'm not sure. But Jim Jordan's trying to garner 270 votes, 217 votes to become the new Speaker of the House. Our boy Jimmy Jordan, my boy, Ohio State ass kicker Jimmy Jordan, right? Remember we covered him? He's a 151 record, but we called it 152 because he smacked down two speakers and he's maybe about to become Speaker himself. Good for you, Jimmy. Good for you. Now, the interesting thing is Jim Jordan was an election denier. Did not want to certify the election against Trump. I would have, my question for Jim, if me and Jim were me and Jim were arm wrestling, we were wrestling a little bit, he was kicking my ass, I'd ask him. Maybe we could have a beer afterwards. I'd say, Jim, as Speaker of the House, as long as Donald Trump runs for president, does that mean you'll never certify an election for a Democrat? I would like to pose that question to Jim Jordan. Would you certify an election that Trump lost if you were Speaker of the House? We may find out. 
we may find out. All right, Jimmy. That's enough about Jimmy. Now, I, and, and lastly here, Lauren Bobbert. We've, we've covered Lauren Bobbert, her escapade, watching Beetlejuice in the theater, her first date, she said, with this drag bar owner, liberal Democrat, who was fondling her wonderful titties. She was rubbing his, his bulge over and over and over again. But... Uh, Lauren floated the claim that oh this was just a this was just a one time date and she broke it off immediately, and we now know that they'd been dating for a few months. Uh, we have a bar bill from the drag bar of three hundred and seventeen dollars that uh, uh, she expensed as a political expense, event catering she called it, and I'm not here. It's it's the people's money. I'm not here to bag on her because. She expensed it using campaign funds. Um, no biggie. Hey, I worked for a company for a long time. Uh, hey, I all my expense reports. Yeah, there was some fun money in there, bar money, all that sort of stuff. And and yeah, in the memo line, you know, however you were supposed to describe it to your boss. Um, yeah, I understand, Lauren, how things go when it comes to expense reports. And so do you, the American people. We all work for a boss, or most, a lot of us do. Expense reports are sometimes, everyone's done what Lauren Bobbert just did, I think. No big deal. What I want to know, and we've reached out to Lauren Bobbert and her, her, her people. How was that liberal cock? How was it, Lauren? Was it any different than a conservative? Well, hey, Jason Bobbert, your husband, was it any different than your conservative husband, ex-husband, Jason Bobbert? Uh, you know, I heard maybe the 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 liberal cock tends to to come in via the right, kind of pushes pushes a girl to her right, and 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 it, apparently the same thing happens if it, if you're having sex with a conservative, that come, cock comes in kind of from the left, and so we've reached out to the Lauren Bobbert. Folks, Lauren Bobbert herself, and and I just I, I want we want to have a little discussion. Just how was the sex with this e gross liberal? How was it? Well, it must have been pretty good. She was hanging out with him for a couple of months, so and I was just disappointed that she dumped him so quick. You know, it got out. Oh my God, he's a Democrat. I was praising her for crossing the aisle and squatting on a different spear. I was praising her for that, and she just, boom, it's over, it's over. How was it, Lauren? How was it? I don't know. I don't know. I bet it was good. All right, I'm wrapping this thing up. You know, I, I opened this I opened this podcast, episode number Ken Griffey Jr., number 24, with what's the right direction for the country, and does anybody know? How do we enhance this amazing country. And I told you, I don't know. I'm telling you, you probably don't know. I'm just, I want you to take that into consideration when you're discussing politics, when you're forming opinions. Think about the world in 50-year increments. But it's, it's almost impossible. How do you enhance America? How do we go? What, what is the right, what is the correct course for this country to take? And I think it's okay to put your hands up in the air 
and say, I don't know. It's okay. It's okay to say, I don't know. And on that note, Nick the American is out of here. He loves you. He's got to go find out if Jimmy Jordan's the new Speaker of the House, baby. Let's go, Jimmy! All right. It's Nick the American. Enough. Talk to you later, ladies and gentlemen.